The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. More than 40% of people in their 40s and 50s have both an aging parent and a child under the age of 21. Caring for people in multiple generations demands time, love, attention, and more. Welcome to Caught Between Generations with your host, Dr. Merrill Griff. Our program will bring you the information you need as a family caregiver for everyone for whom you care, with guest experts and resources to help you keep sane and organized. Now, here is Dr. Meryl Griff. Welcome to Caught Between Generations. I'm so pleased that you decided to join us today and that our listeners are just growing by leaps and bounds. Um, So thank you so much. I really do appreciate this. So today, actually, I'm going to begin the show with a shout out to Denise Cattell. And Denise finds all of our great guests for us. And once again, she's done it again. She has found us a guest who will provide us with great tips and guidelines uh, resulting in more peaceful parenting and how happier kids. However, one of the things that makes our guest, Dr. Laura Markham, so really fabulous is that I think you will find that her advice is applicable to those of us who are caring even for older family members, maybe even a spouse, maybe it's even a friend. Um, But they really go across generations. Her tips, her techniques, her action guides, her advice really bridge the gap between generations. And so I'm so help really grateful to have her on the show today. As we go through the show, I'm going to try to connect some of those dots for you. I'm going to do it today and I'll do it tomorrow on Facebook Live. So Dr. Laura Markham was trained as a clinical psychologist. She's the mother of two children now ages 21 and 25. So what that means is she has really walked the walk and talked the talk because she has raised her children and been able to really in effect try out and really do um, and put her ideas really into effect. She's the author of Peaceful Parent, Happy Kids, How to Stop Yelling and Start Connecting, and also Peaceful Parent, Happy Siblings, How to Stop the Fighting and Raise Friends for Life. And during today's show, we're going to discuss relationships with our adult children, specific ways you can connect with your children at each age. We're going to talk about how you can rewrite your own childhood story and just much, much more. Dr. Markham, welcome to Caught Between Generations. Thank you for inviting me, Meryl. So I'm really um, concerned that that there are listeners already out there saying, ah, you know, it's like it's too late. It's too late. I mean, I've my children are already teenagers, or my children are young adults. Um, it's just too late. I mean, so it sounds like great advice, but I, but it's just too late. So, what is your response to that? Well, it's never too late. I would say, and here's why. 
you're talking about a relationship. And the reason someone thinks it's too late is that the other person might no longer be interested. But children always wish for the parent that they wanted. And that's true even when they're 60 years old. I talk to parents every day who are in their 20s and 30s and 40s, and they're still wishing that they could have the relationship with their mother or their father that they always wanted. So it's hard work to go into a relationship that has hurt feelings in it that have stored up, but the other person may not seem motivated. The other person, if they're your child, your adult child, or your teenage child, they may not seem motivated to be close to you, but humans wish they could have that close relationship with a parent. They just, um, they, both people really need to change, and either person can start the change. So if we can talk about some specific ways, if an, if someone with an adult child feels that that child is not open to having a relationship with them that's close, we can talk about some ways for them to begin to do that. Well, why don't we go ahead and do that? Because um, I will tell you, we did do an earlier program um, on family estrangement, and the response to that was just overwhelming. Um, I mean, it was overwhelming in a good way in terms of numbers, but it was it was overwhelming to hear so many people that are struggling. And one of the things I heard a lot through um, emails and, and other comments that we got was, you know, you say that my child wants to have this relationship. And actually, Dr. Markham, I would agree with you. I mean, in my therapeutic work, I've seen children even who have been abused who always want to go back um, and have that relationship with their parent. But I think it's hard when your adult child is saying to you, get away from me. I don't want to have a relationship with you. You know, you disappointed me. I, I, I think it's hard. How do you begin to, to heal those wounds? I think it takes a lot of maturity for the person doing the initiating, which we'll just, for the sake of this discussion, say that there's somebody who has a child who's in their 20s who is saying, you know, get away from me, more or less. And so it takes an enormous amount of maturity and self-growth on the part of the parent. And I think it starts with owning the reason for this. So regardless of what actually went down, and maybe your adult child was actually nasty to you or was impossible as a teenager or whatever, regardless of what happened, every child is born wanting that close connection with the parent, and something happened along the way to harden that child's heart to you. And I'm not saying that you have to beat up on yourself. I'm saying that if you want the close relationship now, you need to go back and see it from their perspective. And that means, you know, if you might need to over and over again, because they won't trust you the first time you do it, you will have to step up and take responsibility for what happened. So it might be that you begin by writing a letter and saying, you know, I've been thinking back on those difficult times when you were a teenager and, you know... Of course, we all want to say, 
I loved you so much. I just didn't quite know how to handle those things, so I guess I mishandled them. We all want to say I loved you so much. That's almost irrelevant to the child at this point because it's no excuse for your having yelled at them every day, for instance. Even though you did it because you were trying to keep them on the straight and narrow, you were overwhelmed with trying to do, you know, figure out how to um, keep your child in school, keep your child from getting pregnant, keep your child off drugs, whatever it was that was stressing you out. Maybe there was a divorce. Maybe you yourself came from a childhood where, where your parents weren't there for you in whatever way or even abused you. So I, we're going to just start by saying, give yourself complete forgiveness for whatever you did. You might have hit your child. You might have yelled at your child. You might have thrown your child out of the house. Whatever you did, give yourself complete forgiveness. And then see it from your child's point of view and realize that for them it was, um, it was not giving them the love they needed in the way they needed it. And many parents have challenging kids and don't know how to give them that love. And we can talk about what that might look like at each stage, that love. But for now, as an adult, you're looking back, you're saying, I wish I had been able to show up and be the parent you needed me to be. I, I know so much more now. I hope you'll consider forgiving me and trusting me again. And I know that right now for me to say, oh, let's be close, you're not going to trust that I'm going to show up as the loving person that you would need me to be. So we'll take this one step at a time, and you tell me you know, where we can begin. And most adult kids will respond to that by saying, well, next time you come to town or, you know, all right, we could have a conversation on Sunday on the phone or, you know, we could have lunch or something. And if you just say, oh, I want to be closer to you, then they they get their hackles up and they're like, look, I don't want to be closer to you. I always end up feeling bad, uh, you know, because there's all this pain from the past. But if you can say, I want to hear how it was for you, I'm willing to completely listen and try to see it from your point of view because I understand I didn't do everything right, your child is going to start to trust you and, and open up and show you their pain. It won't feel pleasant when they first begin to do that, to show you their pain, but that's where the healing begins. Okay, I think there was a lot in there that that was very good. But I, you know, I, I think we talk about this a lot. And that is, it's important to kind of keep yourself focused on the goal. And, and the goal is to reform the relationship, if that's what you really want. Um, and know that it it's probably going to hurt. And, you, and you're right, that you're going to hear some things along the way. And that you, you may have loved your child. And very often parents will say, well, I had you know, two children and only one feels this way, or I had three children and only one feels this way. But, you know, each child is born in effect into a different family. Um, And each children, each child brings their own personality and temperament into the relationship. So they do, they do perceive things differently than their brother or sister um, may perceive them. Um, So it's important to stay focused. Yeah. So, um, Before before the first break, I hate to do it, but before the first break, we have a. F- Actually, I'm not going to do that because we have two minutes before the first before the first break. So I am not going to ask you a long question, um, yeah. and then and then absolutely cut you off. So actually, I'm going to skip to something, and I'm going to ask you in in a few minutes to talk about you know 
tips, just tips to how you become a brilliant listener. Because when you have these conversations, you need to keep your mouth shut um, many yeah. times and listen. So talk to us about a few tips to become a, a great listener. Okay. Well, the first thing is not to take whatever you hear personally. I think that's often the hardest thing, right? We overreact. But if you want to be a brilliant listener, you need to take a deep breath and calm yourself down no matter what you hear. Children, teenagers, they all want to be close to us. The reason they don't, what they tell researchers, my mom would go ballistic if I told her that. Or my father would overreact and get really upset. So that's the first. The second thing, stop in assuming that you need to be a brilliant responder. You don't need to give good advice. All you really need to do is show up and pay attention. That means your full attention means the cell phone's turned off. It's away. You're not checking. You're not saying, oh, just a second while I check this text that just came in. No, you're focusing on the person you're listening to. And then, as I said, you don't have to come up with brilliant advice. You just have to acknowledge what the other person is saying. So parents often worry that they're not doing this right. Like when the kid says, I'm mad, <laughs> they don't, or, or I hate that teacher. They don't really know how to respond to that. They don't want to validate him saying he hates the teacher. So you can just say, wow, you sure are mad. What happened with the teacher? So you're not being patronizing. You're not saying, you know, if your partner came home from work and was upset about a meeting, you wouldn't just sort of mechanically say, wow, you are so sad and mad. (laughs) You know, your partner would want to strangle you. So you just line up with them emotionally so that you're picking up what you're saying emotionally. Wow, you seem worried about that, honey. Or Or just tell me more about that. Or no wonder you're upset. You're just hearing and listening and acknowledging rather than feeling like you have to come up with good advice. The advice is usually not what you want to do. It usually ends up derailing what the person really needs from you, which is your understanding. Dr. Markham, we're going to take a quick break, and then when we come back, we're going to talk about your three big ideas that represent um, a shift in our parenting, and we're going to talk a little bit more about listening, and we're going to talk about discipline and punishment, so stay with us. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. At Sarah Care, we provide daytime activities and health related care for seniors who need assistance and support during the day. It is 101 activities at home by dinner. While we pride ourselves on the quality of our care, the Sarah Care Way sees beyond your loved one's needs to understand them as a unique individual. We care for individuals with chronic diseases, memory loss, stroke, Parkinson's disease, or those who may be feeling depressed and isolated. Our program is designed to encourage seniors to remain involved in activities of their choice, customized to meet their interests and abilities. Our outings include lunch at favorite restaurants and trips to the movies, concerts, or shopping at a cost that is less than five hours of in-home care. 
Your family member can attend one of our centers all day and be cared for by professional nurses and activity assistants. Transportation and financial assistance is available. Call 1-800-472-5544 today to learn how Sarah Care can help or visit us on the web at sarahcare.com. That's S-A-R-A-H care.com. Children with chronic conditions shouldn't have to just live with it. There are many alternative options that can reduce, reverse, or even eliminate the effects of chronic illness in our children. On Kids Health Revolution Radio with host Deborah Morgan, we'll explore these alternatives to help you take care of your children. It's time to take our kids' health back. Listen every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to Caught Between Generations. To reach our program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to drmerrill at caughtbetweengenerations.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Call Between Generations. I'm Dr. Merrill, and I'm here with Dr. Laura Markham, who is the author of Peaceful Parent, Happy Kids, and Peaceful Parent, Happy Siblings. And Dr. Markham, before the break, we were talking about becoming um, or being a good listener. One of the tips you um, list in your book has to do with what happens in situations where things are just too busy and you are too overwhelmed and your child or an adult or someone wants to speak to you and you really can't listen at that moment. How do you suggest handling that? I think it matters a lot for the other person to know you care, even if you can't do it right now. So... You know, you're trying to get out of the house and your six-year-old is trying to tell you something or even your four-year-old or your 12-year-old or your husband. (laughs) You say, sweetheart, I really want to hear this and be able to focus on it and give you my complete attention. I can't do this right now. I'm nervous we're going to be late. Can you hang on to that? And when we get in the car, I want to hear everything. I think that's great advice because I think sometimes we back ourselves into a corner because we just plow through it because we feel like we can't say to someone, "I, you know, not right now. It's not a good time. Um, right. So thank, so thank you for that. I will pass on. This is an a, example of how in your life, you know, everything does connect. I was at a actually a marketing um, conference of all things. And someone, uh, the speaker said, you know, I want you to write this out on a piece of paper. And for those of you who are doing sales, I want you to hang this on your computer. And he said, I want you to write the word wait, but I want you to write W-A-Y-T. And what does that stand for? It stands for why are you talking? And I thought, <laughs> that is great. <laughs> I love this, right? So I, sometimes I think about that when I'm listening to someone and I have this urge to either interrupt or give solutions or not let them go on. I think to myself, wait, W-A-Y-T. So for those of you who have trouble with it, hang it somewhere in your house. Why are you talking? So You know, it's such a good point. You asked me about being a good listener 
the word, the word listen, those letters also spell silent. That's no coincidence. Son of a gun. I never do that. <laughs> and we're all now quickly writing listen on a piece of paper. <laughs> so we, so we can I, I find that when I want to listen to somebody, if I just stop and take a breath and I say to myself, still, stillness, I sort of bring myself into this still, quiet place where I'm able to be there because I think we're always sort of rushing into the next thing. You know, we know what the person's going to say or we're rushing into what we're going to say in response. You know, just stop. Be right here in the moment with them. It makes a tremendous difference to their ability to to show you their heart. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, Dr. Markham, you have three big ideas that represent a shift in parenting. Can you tell us about them? Actually, yes. I know you can. Will you tell us about them? <laughs> <laughs> I'd be delighted. So the first idea is that when we're relating to our child, it's not a set of strategies or techniques. It's a relationship. It's a relationship with another human being. So what matters is the connection. And, you know, you can't control another human being. You may think you can. If you've only got a baby, you can pick up and move around. But by the time they're two, you realize, I actually can't control this person. Mm -hmm. And you wouldn't want to. You want them to have free will, to be a human being who gets used to having agency in the world and following their own, developing their own inner compass and, and then following it. And you want that by the time they're 12, I tell you. So since we can't control them, what can we do? We can have influence with the child, and that comes from the relationship. And this, by the way, is true of every relationship in which we'd like to have influence. The people who have the biggest influence on you, if you think about it, are people you respect, people you want to be close to, people you like. Those people have an influence on you, and your child is no different. When they feel connected to you, they want to follow your lead. So connection is the most important part of any relationship and certainly of parenting. The next thing is self-regulation because you can't be connected to a child if you're not regulating your own emotions. You know, when you have your own little mommy or daddy tantrums and yell at your child and indulge yourself in your own anger or stress level or whatever, you're pushing your child away. So you're reducing the influence you have with them. So if you want your child to be open to your influence, you need to regulate your own emotions. And I I hasten to add that that does not mean stuff your emotions and give yourself a heart attack. That means... Be mindful. Notice the emotion. This is what mindfulness is. It's a buzzword these days, but does anybody really know what mindfulness is? Here's what it is. You notice the feelings that are always coming and going in your body, because that's where they are. They're in your body. And you notice them, and you breathe your way through them, but you don't necessarily act on them. You know, if the feeling is love, you might grab somebody and hug them. But if the feeling is anger, you're not necessarily going to smack them. You're going to stop Take a breath and notice what's going on. You might even then, as you start to notice the anger, realize I'm angry at my child because of the way he treated his sister and what I'm really scared of is that he's going to be a bully, right? So it's really your fear that's in there that's making you want to lash out at your child. So our own ability to be mindful, to notice the emotions but not act on them, 
that self-regulation. It is really the number one skill in parenting, keeping ourselves in a place of, of uh, emotional balance so that we can be the parent we want to be. So those are, you can see that's also applicable to every relationship you're in. The third big idea is coaching instead of controlling. You know, most parenting books or experts or ideas are about how do we get kids to do what we want. Well, you praise them or you punish them. You know, it's all carrots and sticks. But actually, there is a better way and that is not, not trying to control them by manipulating them, but instead noticing what the child needs and making sure that those needs are met so they can flower and blossom and be their best selves. You know, we can never, you know, what does it mean to coach? It means we can never get in there and play the game for them. Coaches don't play the game for the, the players that they coach. The coach helps the child or the, the teammate to develop and be their best self. So when they go in there and play the game, they're at their best. And that's what a, an ideal parent is. Instead of constantly praising and punishing to manipulate your child to be what you want, you're actually noticing what the child needs to step up to the plate and do the best job they can. And that certainly doesn't mean you're just being a permissive parent and giving them everything they want, that wouldn't allow them to flourish. But it also means you're, you're not being punitive. You're noticing, oh, what would make them better at this? What would make him nicer to his sister? Hmm, seems like he's pretty jealous of her. What could he be jealous of? He thinks she's my favorite. Looks like what he needs is more connection with me, as just a for instance. So there are, whatever is going on with your child, if you look at it from their point of view, you'll see how to coach them so that they can actually resolve that situation and become their best self. Laura, can you give us some specifics on how you would connect with a child at at various ages? Sure. So little ones, you know, if there are grandparents listening who who have toddlers um, that that they care for some of the time, or parents, um, little ones, it's so easy to connect with them. You do it physically, viscerally, you know, you, you play with them, you roughhouse with them so that they are laughing. When you laugh with another person, the bonding hormones are released in both people, so you're bonding with them. And, you know, there's, there's an old adage that the shortest distance between two people is a smile or a laugh. Well, it's true that it, it helps us bond. So with, I should back up and even say babies, babies are very conscious and the way we touch them, the way we hold them, it's much like the conversation where you want to be sort of still inside and so you can be responsive to the other person. Babies like us, like us to hold them in a still, responsive way so that we're connecting with them and we're smiling with them and we're noticing what's going on with them. Oh, you like that sunbeam. Yeah, look at that. You're kicking your feet. That's babies. Toddlers, you know, as I said, we get them laughing and we run around with them or throw them around. Um, and preschoolers like to be, uh, to be able to master something. And so to connect with a preschooler, stop teaching and start noticing and acknowledging them. So instead of 
taking the lead in your activity with the preschooler and saying, oh, don't you think we should build the tower higher? Or, you know, if you do it this way, you could build the tower higher. Instead saying, oh, now you're building the tower, you're building it wider. You started to make a tower and now you're building it wider. So you're acknowledging what they're doing instead of suggesting what they need to do. And they feel really seen and heard. And that's what every human needs. And preschoolers are so often powerless in their lives and they're trying so hard to sort of learn the rules of the world and to navigate and they're just wishing they had a little bit of power and mastery in their lives and when somebody says oh you're doing that puzzle by doing the outside first huh or you're using a lot of blue in that painting they feel seen and acknowledged so dr markham a, i hate yeah? to do this but we have to we have to take a quick break. When okay. we come back, we're going to continue. We're we're going to work our way into the dreaded teenage years, <laughs> and Perfect. and and how you connect to them. Um, and then we are going to talk about siblings. So uh, stay with us. We'll be right back. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Where's your mom? What's she doing? You'd know if she was at Sarah Care Daytime Senior Care and Activities. You'd know she's enjoying a full day of activities program just for her interests, like art classes, volunteering, pet care, and card club. And she's home by dinner. And what's different is that Sarah Care actually has nursing care right there with her. So you'd know. Try one free day of care at Sarah Care. Call 330-451-6108. How's your mom? She's just fine at Sarah Care Daytime Senior Care and Activities. If you have been experiencing addiction issues, be it drugs, alcohol, or something else, you know what it means to feel alone in the world. The power to create yourself with host Ross Ramin is here to prove that you don't have to feel this way. There are others who have been there or are still there, and together we can sort out the truths and the lies in order to reveal the true essence of your character. Tune in every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time, on Voice America Health & Wellness. If you're busy, stressed, and can't ever seem to find the time to add in those new healthy habits, you need to check out Lisa Lutan's Busy, Stressed, and Food-Obsessed show. This program will help you discover easy ways to improve your health and happiness. Plus, you will pick up all sorts of tips on better eating, fitness, relationships, how to manage stress, and a lot more. You'll feel yourself becoming healthier just by tuning in. Listen live every Thursday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health & Wellness. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Caught Between Generations. To reach our program today, please call 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Dr. Merrill at CaughtBetweenGenerations.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. 
Welcome back to Caught Between Generations. It's Dr. Merrill, and I'm here with Dr. Laura Markham, author of Peaceful Parent, Happy Kids, and Peaceful Parent, Happy Siblings. So before the break, we were listening to great ideas about how, as parents or grandparents, we can connect with kids at any age or an error at each age. And we kind of made our way through the preschoolers. So, Dr. Markham, can you kind of pick up where we left off? Sure. So elementary age kids, it gets a little different and in some ways more challenging because they're so busy. You know, they have play dates, they have music lessons, they have sports and school, and we're always sort of running them through the schedule, get your homework done, practice your piano. So we often forget to really stop and connect. So I advise parents to find rituals in their day, in their week, that they always do that will keep them connected to their child. And there are many different things you can do. You can have a ritual that, you know, every Sunday morning is a special family time when you hang out together and there are no screens and you play a board game or you, you know, um, do a family art project or something. And, you know, it seems a little um, contrived, But the families I know who've done something like that, whether it's Friday night, you know, um, board game or Sunday morning art project, they, the children begin to ask for it and they miss it if it doesn't happen. And it's a chance for kids just to sort of talk to you about what's going on in their lives. And you can also begin to initiate rituals on a daily basis where, you know, every morning, you give them a hug and sit with them for a few minutes in bed as they're waking up or every night you sit on their bed for a few minutes as you're saying good night to them. And parents often think, you know, well, he's nine years old. I don't need to be in his room at this point when he's getting ready for bed. But, you know, a nine-year-old whose mom or dad will sit on the bed and, you know, when the child is lying down to go to sleep in the dark and just, hey, so how you doing, hon? How was your day? Wow, that's cool. What was your favorite part? What was the hardest part? You know, just that 10-minute conversation, that child knows they can rely on their parent, and they're going to tell you things in the dark that might not come out in the light. So it's those kinds of rituals allow kids to know that you're going to be there for them and to really rely on you. And another thing to start at the end of the elementary years and as you go into the preteen teen years, I love journals that you pass back and forth to your child. So you might call it a collaborative journal. And you could just buy a notebook and do this, but there are some journals online that are designed to do this. They're for both boys and girls. Some of them say for mom and me or for dad and me. Uh, I don't know if there's one for grandparents. But you can also, I guess, just buy a notebook and have the child decorate the front of it or put a picture of you and the child on the front and laminate it or something. So you can you just um, say to your child, hey, I had an idea. Let's have a journal. It's sort of like being pen pals, and we can write back and forth to each other. And your child may think this is a crazy idea or may roll their mm-hmm. eyes, but you can say, let's just try it. Let's try it. And you write, you be the first one to write the entry if they seem hesitant. Some kids just grab it and they commandeer it, which is wonderful because then it's not something you're forcing onto them. You're, you know, they're taking charge of it. But if 
they're not so sure. You write a little note about how you can't wait to talk to them about all kinds of things, and and you're so excited about being pen pals with them in this journal. Uh, if it's what you bought from you know, on Amazon or something, those have prompts in them and you can just, you know, start writing in them and follow the prompt and it'll, it's helpful if you're not sure about how to get started. But you can also just leaf through one of those that you find in the bookstore and then take some ideas home with you to get you started. Once you begin, the journal takes on a life of its own and I have heard over and over from parents that even the kids who you don't think are going to do it, like, you know, a 12-year-old boy, they actually want to ask you questions that they just would never ask to your face. It would be mortifying to ask your face, you know, and they will begin to ask you questions and to share things with you that bother them. So again, going back to our number one rule about listening, don't take it personally if they're blowing off steam about something and don't overreact if they tell you something that you're like, oh my goodness, you know, is it true you know, my kid's friend brought liquor to school. Oh, no, and they were drinking it. You know, don't overreact. Don't storm into your kid's room. Write back a note. Take a deep breath. Write back a note about it and ask your child a question about what their experience of it was because your child is testing you. If they can tell you these things, then you'll start to hear about the even things that are an even bigger deal. You know, Laura, what I love about that idea is, of course, it's also a great idea for um, grandparents and grandchildren, especially when your grandchildren don't live in the same city that you do. I mean, I was just thinking about this and I thought, well, my grandchildren live in a different city than I do. You know, and so we FaceTime and we, Uh you know, fly in. But this, you know, my granddaughter is old enough that she's beginning to write. um, And I used to write her cards where I would go to the store and get stickers and I would get, instead of saying, you know, printing out the word, I would put the sticker in you know, to represent mm. the, the word. Um, and it was a great way for us to communicate. And I think as she began to read, I stopped doing that. But, I, you know, I think it's a great idea. I think I'm going to go back and start doing that again. Um, yeah. And so we can, you know, email it or mail it back and forth. Uh-huh. I think that's a great uh-huh. idea. So, yeah. so what, do we, what do we do with the, with the dreaded teens? <laughs> <laughs> so I just want to say I loved the teen years. You know, I have a 21-year-old. I'm very close to, and a 25-year-old. And so I went through the teen years twice, loved them. So they don't have to be the dreaded teen years. The reason teen years are dreaded is that we have a hard time letting go of control and having um, the relationship with our teens that would give us confidence that they will show good judgment. And so really the the thing that we need to do is to start as early as we can having those conversations, the kind you might have in the journal, the kind you might have at dinner, and staying connected to our teen so that we, um, we trust them and we know who they are. And we've had conversations about things like drugs and sex. You know, parents have a really hard time talking to kids about these things, but if it's just a normal dinner table conversation to ask your kids questions that bring up things like, you know, drugs, uh, alcohol, sex, then what we find is that kids um, who've had those kinds of relationships with their parents are more likely to talk to parents about things. 
And the only way you do it is by asking questions. If you're lecturing, they will shut down. So the most important tip I could say, other than being a good listener, is to be a good question asker. Not in a way that's grilling them, because then they really will shut down. But starting from the time they're young, to have family discussions on a regular basis that are actually interesting. You know what my kids' friends used to say when they would come and have dinner at our house, do your parents always talk about stuff like that? <laughs> you know, because we would have discussions about all kinds of things that, you know, they, they didn't usually have those discussions at their house. And so if you can ask your children questions on a regular basis about things like, you know, everything from, you know, do you think adults automatically deserve your respect? You know, how does somebody earn respect? I mean, that would be an example of something that, that you might ask. Or, you know, um, wh- you know, why, um, you know, why do you think kids develop drug problems? What, what happens? You know, um, or, you know, um, what do you think about peer pressure? Do you think there is even any such thing as peer pressure? Do you ever feel it? Are some people more susceptible to it than others? You know, there, there are probably thousands of really interesting questions you could ask your kids. And if you get in the habit of those kinds of discussions, your kids will talk to you straight through the teen years. And on my website, ahaparenting.com, like aha moments, A-H-A, parenting.com, if you just go to the website and you put in uh, conversation, there's an article called 175 Conversation Starters. Uh, and it's questions like these that you can ask kids about all topics imaginable. They're broken down by topic. So um, I really urge parents to start developing their skills as question askers. And I know at the end of the day, you're exhausted. You're trying to get dinner on the table. It's the last thing you think of. What I used to do is write down on an index card three questions I thought were interesting. And if I asked one and it sort of sank like a lead balloon, I would ask another one, you know. And I found that my willingness to just keep asking and listening made all the difference in the world. It makes also, I guess, for a more interesting dinner table and and much less conflict and fighting. Um, and I'm assuming no technology at the dinner table while oh, you're doing that. Yes, yes. And I think parents are the the worst on this, actually. I know they blame their kids, but most kids grow up, I mean, at least when I walk down the streets in New York City, what I see is kids saying, Mommy, Daddy, and the parents on their phone. Now, I'm not judging that parent. They may have something really important that they need to do at that minute. But I think all of us, if we're honest, know that we're on our phones too much with our kids. And we think we can get away with it. But then when our kids get to the teen years, they do the same thing because, you know, they're following our role modeling. So I would say, um, if you haven't already done this, then make a rule in your house that there's dinner together as many nights as possible, that you, there is no technology at the table, and that dinner is fun and interesting and you're not correcting table manners. You're enjoying each other as human beings. And yes, I think that makes a tremendous difference, no technology. So my only piggyback to that is, before we take a quick last break, and that is it also has to do with your spouse or your significant other. I I can't tell you how many times I'm sitting in a restaurant and I see people and they're both, they're married and, or they have a relationship and they're both on their phone. Um, Or one person's constantly taking telephone calls or returning texts. Um, And it's hard and it makes the relationship difficult. And I think sends a message to your partner 
um, or your friend or significant other um, that you're really not important to me. Uh, no matter what you're yeah. verbally saying, that's that non-verbally yeah. says it's really not important. We're going to take a quick break. So we were going to talk about sibling rivalry. I, I think what we're really going to talk about when we come back is rewriting your own story because I feel very strongly that that's really the, the more important issue. Um, and I promise you we will have Dr. At least I think I will promise you that we'll have Dr. Mm-hmm. Markham back. At least I hope she'll come back. Um, and we'll concentrate a little more on sibling rivalry when she returns. But this time when she returns, we're going to be talking about rewriting your own story. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. At Sarah Care, we provide daytime activities and health related care for seniors who need assistance and support during the day. It is 101 activities and home by dinner. While we pride ourselves on the quality of our care, the Sarah Care Way sees beyond your loved one's needs to understand them as a unique individual. We care for individuals with chronic diseases, memory loss, stroke, Parkinson's disease, or those who may be feeling depressed and isolated. Our program is designed to encourage seniors to remain involved in activities of their choice, customized to meet their interests and abilities. Our outings include lunch at favorite restaurants and trips to the movies, concerts, or shopping at a cost that is less than five hours of in-home care. Your family member can attend one of our centers all day and be cared for by professional nurses and activity assistants. Transportation and financial assistance is available. Call 1-800-472-5544 today to learn how Sarah Care can help or visit us on the web at sarahcare.com. That's S-A-R-A-H care.com. It's time to experience radical well-being. Learn to nourish your heart, body, and mind. Manifest your power in the present and learn to live your life's infinite potential. It's time to experience Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio with host Rochelle McLaughlin. Each week, you'll learn about essential skills and knowledge to help you discover and create your own experience of health and well-being. And learn to be empowered to take bold and loving action toward manifesting the life you long for. Tune in every Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific and 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America's Health and Wellness Channel. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. listening to Caught Between Generations. To reach our program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to drmerrill at caughtbetweengenerations.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Caught Between Generations. We've been here with Dr. Markham, who has been giving us great advice about a different approach to parenting and I think also a different approach to relationships and to communication. Right before the break, we were talking about um, connecting with teens. And Dr. Markham, I know you had one last thought you wanted to share with us. I wanted to suggest that we try to refrain from giving advice to a teenager. You know, Even if your advice is the best advice in the world, it makes your teenager feel like they must not be that competent or grown up 
if you tell them how to handle the situation. So, you know, I'm a professional advice giver. I just had to bite my tongue over and over, and they still do with young adult children, so that when they have a problem, instead of jumping in to say, oh, you know what I would do, or you know what you should do? Instead, I say, wow, that is a tough problem. How do you think you're going to handle that, or how do you think you're going to make that decision? Mm. Now, even if they tell you something that you think is the worst approach in the world, you can just say, hmm, yeah, I suppose you could do that. And what do you think would happen then? How do you think they'll respond? Because at that point, they think it through and they realize, oh, maybe it really isn't the best approach, right? But you're not, and you know, if you think it's dangerous, obviously, that's where you would pull out your, you know, your right to use your influence and say, you know what, honey, that worries me a little. I wonder, that might be dangerous. So, There's nothing wrong with if it's dangerous, but that's not most of the time. Most of the time, the sky is not going to fall if they handle it the way they were going to handle it. They may get a worse grade or lose a friendship, but they're not going to be in danger. So if we just bite our tongue, listen, and acknowledge, they sort of come into their own. They develop their own inner compass and their own strength of knowing how to handle things. And they don't need to pull away from us. Because if we're solving problems for them or advising them, in order to feel independent, they have to pull away from us to exercise their independence. But if they know we're just there for them, they don't have to pull away. Dr. Markham, I do want to get to um, kind of a short thing on rewriting your own story, but I want to ask you one quick question before that. And that is, so just continuing in this train of thought, what are your suggestions for making connections with adult children? Well, we talked some about this at the beginning, but I would say with an adult child, you do a lot of listening and acknowledging whatever's up for them, whatever they're talking about. And if you're, you know, it's really very much the same thing that you would do with a friend. You know, the problem with adult children is we want to control things for them because we so desperately want them to be happy and successful. So we end up wanting to tell them what to do and you know, they feel um, controlled and they react against us and they shut us out. If instead we can act more as we would with a friend where we say, wow, I'm so impressed that you did that. You never cease to amaze me. Wow. You know, or wow, that is a big problem. Oh, what a drag. You know, and you're not jumping in to fix it uh, or evaluate them. Then they feel like they can open up to you. So... In trying to change parenting or readdress what we're doing, you know, sometimes our own story, as you describe it, really does stand as a barrier to our ability to change. So, you know, we're old at this point, you know, some of us older than others. So how do you rewrite, you know, your your own story so that you can move forward? Mm. Well, I guess you look at the places you're stuck. You look at the things that irritate you or set you off, push your buttons, you notice when they happen. And instead of just reacting and blaming the other person, you notice, oh, this is where I get tripped up. And I'm going to stop and I'm going to heal this. You just decide, I'm going to heal this. I'm going to be, I'm not going to be that person who's just, you know, always gets set off by this. And you... As I talked about in the beginning, where you sort of notice the emotion, but you don't act on it, that allows you more space in your life to 
to react differently than you might have at another time. And before you know it, you're acting like a different person, which means you're rewriting your story. And you also can look at your past to heal your past and look at it from a larger context. So maybe, you know, when you were a child, your father left the family. And the way you took that in is that you felt like you weren't lovable. But now, from your adult perspective, you can look back on it and you can say, any dad would have been lucky to have me as their child. It was not about me. That isn't why my dad left. It was information about him. It had nothing to do with me. No matter, yeah, okay, I was a brat sometimes. All kids are. No matter what I acted like, that's not what caused him to leave. And at that point, you're healing something in you that has always felt like you weren't good enough. And most of us walk around in life feeling we're not good enough. So noticing those places where we feel that way and seeing it from an ad- a larger vantage point, I think can be very healing. I think that healing is important. I, I deal with um, people now who are taking care of their parents, um, and those issues are still there, and they're still trying to be a good caregiver, but they consider to be a good caregiver while they're still dealing with those issues. Um, and so yeah. they spend most of their day in conflict um, and very, very stressed. It's, it's the main reason why they're, why many of them are so stressed. So I, I think it's good advice to go back and, and try to address it and, and try to heal. Um, give us your last thoughts and some quick tips on how to take care of yourself because you're changing and you're trying to handle a lot. So, and it's very important to take care of yourself. So can you give yeah. us some quick suggestions for that? Yes. You know, often people will say to me, you know, the advice you get in a women's magazine to take care of yourself is go get a massage or go get a manicure or whatever. And I don't have the time or the money for that stuff. And I totally get it. I think the most important way to take care of yourself is actually on a sort of minute-to-minute basis to just notice and check in with yourself all day, every day. I, I tell people to set their watch or to set their phone to buzz every hour at them. And at that moment when it buzzes at you, stop and take a deep breath and say, what do I need right now to stay in balance? And maybe what you need is a sandwich because you realize you skipped lunch and forgot. Or maybe what you need is just a couple minutes without some toddler hanging on you and, you know, just a few minutes to breathe and look at the sky. And maybe what you need is to move. You've been stuck at a computer all day and, you know, put on a song you love to dance to and just dance to that one song by yourself looking like a crazy person, you know, in your own space or in your car, you know, pull the car over and dance. Just whatever you need at that moment to be in balance. And what we find when we do this is that we become more aware of our own tendency to get close to the edge. And, you know, you get close enough to the edge, you're going to go over the edge when somebody starts pushing you, whether it's your toddler or your, your aging mother. And so the point is to, anyone will go over the edge if they're too close. So the point is to stay away from the edge. And the way we do that is by keeping ourselves in emotional and physical balance. You know, Dr. Markham, I'm, I'm about to go yep. over the edge because we yep. have to end the show. And, I'm, and, and you have so many good things to say. So please give us your contact information before we have to leave. 
Yes, I'm at ahaparenting.com, A-H-A-parenting.com, and you can find information for parents and grandparents of all age children there. And you can also find information there or on Amazon or at any bookstore about my books, which you mentioned at the, at the beginning of the show, Peaceful Parent, Happy Kids, and Peaceful Parent, Happy Siblings. Thank you so much. Uh, we really appreciate it. I hope you will consider coming back um, to talk to us about uh, Peaceful Parent, Happy Siblings. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you. Thank you. So I hope you'll listen uh, to us on Facebook Live uh, tomorrow at 9.30 Eastern Time, or you can pick it up at any other time. And you'll continue to email uh, me either through the Facebook Live or through Dr. Merrill at Caught Between Generations. Remember what I always say to you, just one thing, just one thing. And so Dr. Markham is saying do just one thing every hour. I'm saying do just one thing every day. It doesn't matter. Pick your time that you want, but just do one thing. You're important and you need to do that for yourself. Take care. Thank you for tuning in to Caught Between Generations with Dr. Mel Griff. Our program is live every Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We hope to see you here next week.